The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. And now, it's time for a Deep South legend that's been keeping it real here in Atlanta for over two decades. It's the Buck Baloo Show, only on The Fan. Little after 10 o'clock on a Wednesday morning. Welcome, everybody. It is the Buck Baloo Show slash extravaganza. 60 minutes of pure radio power. Buck Baloo on vacation. Mike Morgan filling in this week. Had a lot of fun yesterday. A lot of reaction from you folks out there with the interview with Tim Brando, who was certainly not shy on opinions on what happened in the college football playoff. I'm not going to lay that completely to rest because the more I think about it, the angriest team in a lot of ways should be in Athens. I'm not kidding. I, I would be saying that if this show was in Chicago or Los Angeles. How do you win 29 consecutive games, be the number one team, and then fall all the way to six? Story for another time. But we're going to talk a lot of NFL today. I feel like we got so wrapped up in college football, which I'm always down to talk college football. If you know anything about me, that is A-OK with myself. But we're also going to talk a lot of Falcons, including in the B block, Michael Rothstein of ESPN.com will join us to talk specifically about some things. And I couldn't help but think about the Falcons and this division and think there might we might be witnessing history, we just don't even know it. Which leads me into Buck's big take of the day. Buck's big take. Today's Big Take brought to you by Daco System Heating and Air for your HVAC repair. Contact locally owned Daco Systems at D-A-Y-C-O-Systems.com. Keeping Atlanta comfortable one home at a time. Uh, I had some fun with this because, I, I, you know, watching the Falcons, it is what it is to use a, a common axiom these days. Like, I've never seen a fan base more ambivalent about being in sole possession of first place in the division. But when you're six and six, and it's clearly the worst division in football again, it's hard to really actually have a parade. And then when you look at the way this team performs on offense, which is not an easy watch. I mean, if we're being honest, like there's a lot of first round draft picks on that offense, but it's not a fun offense to watch. And they continue to kind of sputter and just win games. What have you. And obviously the focal point is the quarterback, as it always is, and, and Desmond Ritter. And he's gonna take he's gonna take the the arrows every time they lose a game, and sometimes even if Atlanta wins a game ugly. His numbers are pedestrian, they're okay. Uh that might be being kind. I my my thoughts on Desmond Ritter, as I've said before, like I you're you're not gonna get me overly excited about him. I'm not gonna trash the guy. I don't think he's the worst quarterback in the NFL. Do I think that Desmond Ritter is a starter five years from now? I do not. I simply do not. But that is kind of common for this division. As I looked at it, I started looking at quarterback rankings. 
and I get it. There's all kinds of metrics out there. And, you know, is QBR the ultimate? It's good enough in this particular case. So you've got 32 teams in the NFL. And by the way, this is the year of the backup quarterback. Some of these games have been unwatchable, period. Okay, I mean, this is for those that used to say, you know, you had like caveman guy when anytime there'd be a rule protecting quarterbacks, why don't you just put a skirt on them? Yeah, that sounds like really macho and neat until you have to watch games with Marcus Simeon, C.J. Bethard, Bailey Zappi, Tyrod Taylor, P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold. Like, do you want to watch on Sunday games that have those guys? The answer is no. The answer is no, you don't. So, yeah, I'm all for protecting quarterbacks because I don't want to see that slop on a given Sunday. I just don't. But here's the miracle of the NFC South. The quarterback play, as bad as it is in this division, it's all healthy. So when I give you these numbers, it's not in lieu of, well, the starter went down and therefore they had to play the second string or the third string. These are the numbers for the starters. These are the guys that they were penciled in to start at the beginning of the year and they hope to have them throughout the rest of the year. And it's the best option on the roster. Okay, so number one. The number one rated quarterback in this division, and I just had, I called the 49ers-Bucks game a few weeks ago in, in San Fran, and I haven't seen a better team in person than San Francisco this year. Uh, watching that offense move with Kittle and Debo, uh, Brock Purdy, if, if you stand next to him, as I did on the field, he looks like a Bible salesman. He's not big. He's a soft-spoken, just kind of very mild-mannered guy, but he's going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback and an MVP candidate at this point. Uh, and then you stack him up compared to what what you have on the other side. But Baker Mayfield, as I sat and watched Baker up close, I was expecting the worst. And he actually is not that bad this year. He's okay. He'll still give you the soul-crushing turnover, as he did in that game with a late fumble. But he is the highest-rated quarterback in this division. He's 20th. Baker Mayfield. Then you go 22 out of 32 teams. It's Derek Carr. I don't know what happened. I know Derek Carr's had injuries, but honestly, his ability, his mental acumen of the game has fallen off a cliff. I I don't know where and when he forgot how to play football, but it's just not there. Derek Carr is a shadow of what he was just three, four years ago. He's been terrible this year for a Saints offense that, again, has not been very good either. And all these teams I mentioned, by the way, they have some weapons, with the exception of maybe the last one. Uh, So Derek Carr is 22. 24 is the aforementioned Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter, again, by now you've probably formulated your own opinion. He's 24. Could he wind up getting much better in another year or two? Yeah, he could. Don't see it. But he's 24th this year, and I don't think much of the Falcon faithful is overly uh, exuberant about his performance as the starting quarterback for the beloved Falcons. And then dead last is Bryce Young of the Carolina Panthers. And I still know some folks over there that cover that team, and they all tell me the same thing. Mike, he is completely overmatched. He is, like, you don't realize how frail Young is until you, again, you see him in person. And having called a couple Alabama games, you, you, you stand next to him in a, in a coach's meeting or on the practice field, and you're like, my goodness, it's not just the height. They're, they're, he's taller than Russell Wilson. He's taller than Kyler Murray, but he doesn't have that frame. He's built like a, a skinny point guard at a small Division I college. He's just not that big, and it, it, it's, it's not the only thing hurting him. The arm strength is, was never the best, but he was always accurate. They thought they were getting another Tua. 
with all the intangibles, and he is like a smart kid, a great kid, uh, uh, potentially a great leader, but it's just not there. Now, does, does he have weapons? No. I mean, the Panthers have been a train wreck from every move they've made over the last few years. It's well documented. The ownership on down, what they're doing, nobody exactly knows. Uh, but I, I, it's, he's the number one pick in the draft, and I don't know if he's going to be the starter in 2024, 2025. There's just nothing there to hang your hat on. Like sometimes even if a rookie has a bad year and he makes common mistakes and, you know, silly turnovers, that's the growing process. But if you if the guy just doesn't have the ability, then where do you go from there? And that's already being questioned in Charlotte. And it's not like knee jerk reaction stuff. It's true, objective, just watching and putting it under a microscope and throws that you need to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. Can he make them and seeing the field? Can he see it? Can he? All those things right now are in question. But to go back to the original point, that's your NFC South quarterback play. All starters. These are not guys forced into duty because of injuries. Baker Mayfield is the leader at the clubhouse, the 20th ranked quarterback in the league with a track record of a guy that can't hold a job anywhere that he's been in the NFL. And he is the face of excellence in the NFC South's quarterbacking position followed by Derek Carr, who again seems to have fallen off a cliff ability-wise, Desmond Ritter, and then Bryce Young. Has there ever been a division with worse quarterback play of four healthy guys than what you're witnessing in the NFC South this year? I, I don't know. And what does it look like in 20? I mean, could all four of these guys be out of a job next season? It's possible. It's very possible. Certainly by 2025, my money is on a lot of turnover in this division. But hey, Falcons are six and six. And let me ask you guys behind the glass. DT, Road Dog, you saw Kyle Pitts in college. You watched him go up and down the field against Georgia back in that 2020 campaign that made him a top 10 pick. I said this on Chuck and Chernoff months ago. When I saw Kyle Pitts in college, I thought I was looking at an alien, like a freak of nature, a guy that was just next level good. What do you see now when you watch? Is, has he lived up to the expectations you thought that he would be? Oh, certainly not. Uh, coming in, yeah, I mean, you heard the the jokes about a unicorn. He's he's pretty freaky. Uh, that, that size, that frame, shouldn't have that kind of speed on it. The catch radius, um, not the most polished route runner. We knew that coming in, but just a just a, a freak of an athlete. And obviously, the production hasn't been there. But you can see it with the eye test. The the routes he runs aren't extremely crisp. He doesn't seem to be to be healthy now. However, I was extremely excited about him, even being a Georgia fan, bringing in the Gator. But the the visions we had at the time included Matt Ryan at quarterback and Julio Jones at wide receiver mm-hmm. just at that time, and it was extremely exciting. The offense is completely different from when from the time that they drafted him, and it frankly doesn't seem to fit. But obviously, underwhelming because the the productivity that you imagined obviously hasn't been there. He has four career touchdown catches. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I, I, it's, I mean, it's, it's, if you'd have told me that, yeah, that, how, yeah, how 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 many seasons did he miss so far? If that's the case, there's no way that that could have been true when he was drafted. Right, and I, I get he's had injuries, and some people say well, he hasn't been targeted enough, and obviously he's not playing with the best quarterback in the league. I'm trying to be kind here. That's fair. Uh, but he's got he's got four career touchdowns. It's in his third year. And I look, he's not a bad player. I'm not just like dogging him, but like when I watch Janu Smith and I watch Kyle Pitts, 
What's the difference? Kyle Pitts is a 6'6", 245-pound freak, supposedly, but it doesn't show up. i tell you what I wonder about is when I see guys like Sam Laporta and Dalton, Dalton Kincaid come in as rookies and light yeah. it up immediately. Well, now, And now, given now, as I say that, I remember, we should remember that Kyle Pitts did kind of, to take, to take my phrase, light it up as a rookie over 1,000 yards. That was a record. Um, so, yeah, he was, he's been productive. Yeah. We just haven't seen it over the last two seasons. Yeah, and I, I get it. Like that was a different quarterback, and he he did he put up some numbers his first year. But I I just I don't see the I remember this is a top five pick. Okay, the the tight end crop in the NFL has never been better. It's never been utilized more than it is in today's game. It's never been more freakishly good. You're going to watch Brock Bowers be the next guy. You think Brock Bowers in his third year is going to have four touchdown receptions? I mean, I don't Maybe care by where, his third game. Yeah, right. I don't care where he goes. I don't think I don't care who he plays for. Brock Bowers is going to have instant returns like so many of these other tight ends that go first, second round. And not to get too deep, but yeah, Brock's also um, an excellent blocker. I cannot say the same about Kyle Pitts. To no, say that's kindly. never been his thing. It yeah. was not his thing at Florida. And, and in a lot of They're ways. They're totally different players, too. Yeah, so yeah, he resembles the modern-day tight end. They don't, they don't want to be on the line. You know, they, they want to be spread out. They want to be in the slot. And they want to be basically... Uh, a de facto wide receiver more so than an actually inline tight end. I get that, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ding him for that because you didn't draft him thinking he was going to be uh, a Kittle type blocking. Like that's just that's never been his thing. It wasn't his thing at Florida, not his thing there. So I mean, I I, I look at that. I look at and my other thing uh, with all due respect, I, I look. Bajan Robinson's gonna be a fun player to watch for a long, long time. But when you take a running back in the top ten. And I and I have the list of guys all time that have gone top ten, well, not even all time, just the last ten years. These are top ten NFL running backs: Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley. Every one of those teams, I think, would wouldn't mind having a mulligan and taking someone else. Not that they've been busts. Like the, many of those guys were productive players, but did you? But you could have gotten that in the fourth round. The only guy that I look at that went top 10 as a running back in the last 10 years where you're like, oh, yeah, I would do it again, Christian McCaffrey. When McCaffrey is healthy, he is ridiculous. And they're hoping that Robinson can turn into that kind of player that can literally be a wide receiver on any given play in addition to a tailback. That's the versatility that McCaffrey gives you, and they hope that Robinson in time will give you. But McCaffrey, from moment one, when he was healthy with a bad Panthers team, he was was a dude. Bajon Robinson might become a dude. I just... I think he's a really good player. I don't know if I don't know if I would have spent a top ten pick when I look at the rest. Oh, by the way, Jalen Carter is probably going to be a perennial Pro Bowler, and he went the pick after. Just just saying, as I look at the way this team is constructed, and there's a lot of first round picks starting on that offense. Uh, I like Drake London. You know, there's 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 talent there. Uh, Jake Matthews has been a stalwart on the offensive line for ten years now. Again, some some good picks, but then some questionable ones, and then some guys that, in the case of Pitts, like I just, I don't know when when does it come on? And it can't all be well. He's not targeted enough. It can't all be well. Look at the numbers he put up as a rookie. I, I need more. I need more. If you're a top five pick as a tight end, and you were an, again an alien in college, nobody could cover him in college. Then I need a, a little bit more than what I've seen thus far. You're listening to 680 The Fan. Hopefully you're listening to us on the app as well, driven by Beaver Toyota, coming 680 The Fan. Uh, don't forget, we've got Mr. Rothstein, Michael Rothstein, coming up on the other side. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll talk some more Falcons football on the other side. Also get to a little more college football, some updates on the Georgia Roundtable as well. It is the Buck Baloo Show. Mike Morgan filling in on 680 The Fan. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. 
And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Experience Mike Morgan filling in today and this week. Hope you're doing well. A little cooler weather here in the ATL. Michael Rothstein going to come up here in just a few moments and talk some Falcons football. We've got some tickets to give away. That's just the kind of guy Buck is. If he were here, I'm sure he would give you the shirt off his back and some complimentary Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets. What? Exactly. That'll be August the 9th. No, that'll be December the 4th. What? What? Monday through Friday through the 8th. That would be the days we're giving them away. What is this thing? It is August 19th? What? We're yes, oh, yeah. August 19th. We're giving away tickets for a concert Bank Amphitheater. in August. Okay. I mean, this is Earth, Wind, and Fire. It this is Earth, Wind, and Fire. Concert. And I do love this song. In fact, we and Chicago, just... right? Yeah. And Chicago. I mean, come on. So Buck's throwing in Chicago as well. He actually He's such a nice to guy to do that, you know? You know, the, the magnanimous, that's the word that comes to mind when I think of Buck Ballou. It just, even when he's not here, he's giving stuff away. Caller 5, you got some tickets. Caller 5 right now will get some tickets. Uh, we're not giving away tickets to our next guest on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line, but we are going to have some good conversation, I imagine. He is with ESPN.com. He covers the Falcons, among other things. He is Michael Rothstein. Michael, how are you? <laughs> Wait, I don't get a ticket. That's just disappointing. How did I miss out on that? You know, I, I I'll make a I'll make a phone call to yeah. You're caller five, right? I'll make a phone call to Buck. See if he can find a, an extra pair. If if not, he'll autograph a T-shirt for you. I got taken out of the running before I even had a chance to call. I, 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 you know, this is the price of being a guest is that you're completely ineligible to win the contest. Uh, so you give up oh, your wow. precious, valuable time, and you're not you're no longer eligible. That's the. Uh, that's the yin and the yang of being a guest here on 680 The Fan. Um, Michael, so many places to start. I, I think the obvious one is where where does the 6-6 six and six Falcons team stand in the pantheon of bad division winners all time, if that happens to be the case? I mean, uh, I tell you what, we got to see how it plays out because their defense has been above average all year, uh, other than, you know, a couple weeks. Jesse Bates has been a big reason for that. Uh, I mean, listen, they're not, like, going to be this strong division winner if they win. You think of that Seattle team that won at 7-9, and nine, but they won a playoff game. You think of the Tampa team that won last year. Like, but just because they're under 500 doesn't mean that they're not going to win a playoff game. Like that, the people need to understand that because the benefit for you by winning the division is you get a home game. And in a home game scenario, you never know. That said, whoever wins the NFC South is probably playing 
whoever doesn't win the NFC East between Dallas and Philly, and that's a really tough matchup. <laughs> Uh, for for any of the NFC South teams, you almost have the feeling like it, it's like in the NBA, you want to be really good or really bad, but if you're stuck in the middle and you're outside the lottery, it seems like it's a perpetual thing. Like I, I don't know if, if is this a great thing? Like are fans going to celebrate if you sneak into the playoffs by virtue of playing in a woeful division? But you're going to have the same issues going into the off season that you would if you finished, you know, three and fourteen. Yes and no. Uh, so the whole goal of this, right, is to try and win a Super Bowl. Right? Like, that's the whole goal of all of this. The only way you have a shot is to make the playoffs. I mean, I, I go back, and I, I grew up in New York. So I go back and I look at the Jets teams that made back-to-back AFC championship games. So were they the 16 both years with Mark Sanchez as a quarterback? Now, it did end up being sustainable, but they made two AFC championship games by winning on the road. The Giants, they were, what, the five or six seed or something like that? Or they were, like, mid-500 right around this point in the year when they won the Super Bowl and beat the undefeated Patriots. So I guess my point in that is the only way you get a ticket to play is if you make it. So to me, you'd rather make it than not. Like, because let's be honest, that difference in five or six draft picks potentially I don't know if that's going to make a big difference. We've seen every team in the NFL, including the Atlanta Falcons, mess up really good picks and find really good players later on. So I'm not of the believer of, oh, you know, you have that higher draft pick. I'm the believer of you're trying to win games. You're trying to reach Super Bowl. You're trying to make the playoffs. Right. Like, that to me is the more important thing. If you're part of that, if you're part of a team, that's the most important thing. As you know, as analysts and people who cover the team, we look at it different ways. But inside that building, yeah, I mean, the only way you get a shot at the Super Bowl is if you make the postseason. That's it. It's that simple. It doesn't matter how you get there because all you need to do is win, three, get hot for three weeks, and then you're in the Super Bowl. Like that. I mean, it's that. It's, and we've seen it. We've seen it happen before. Uh, we have. I, I don't know if we've seen it with a Desmond Ritter at quarterback necessarily, but I, I, I understand your point. I guess my question then moving forward is, as, as you watch this team 12 games in, and by the way, Falcons are a, a slight favorite at home against the Bucks. Let me throw three names at you and, and just give me, I'm asking you to be a little bit uh, opinionated, I guess, as opposed to just doing what you do a lot for your job, which is give the cold hard facts. But Desmond Ritter, Bajon Robinson, Kyle Pitts. Like, where do you see, based on the progress or lack thereof that you've watched on the field covering this team, where do you see those guys, what's going to be the future outlook for those three players? I mean, Desmond Ritter is very to be determined. Like, there's, there have been flashes of him being quite good. There have also been flashes of him being quite bad. Uh, which is honestly somewhat of what I expected this year. Uh, you know, I, I've said all year, and I said it at the beginning of the year, we have much more evidence now, but at the beginning of the year, anyone who told you that he was going to be great or awful was kind of just talking to be heard because you just didn't know that base of evidence wasn't there. Now we have this base of evidence, and, you know, it's, he's, very, he's a very up-and-down quarterback. There are times where you're like, wow, he can really lead a two-minute drill. He's 
done really good things. And there are other times like, wow, he forced that. Wow, he, that was a bad throw or that was woefully inaccurate or he put no touch on that. So, to me, I think the last five games plus a playoff game, if they make one, will tell us a lot of whether they make him the clear backup next year or they bring in competition or they decide to run with it again. But John Robinson's having a great year. Anyone who doesn't see that, I'm sorry, I just can't help you. Um, He's doing everything that you would have thought he would have done. He's over a 1,000 yards of scrimmage already. Uh, They've been using him smartly. They, They ramped him up in a way that, you know, he's not wearing down right now, which we see from a lot of rookies. Uh, he's he's doing really well. Listen, he he's showing every bit of that draft pick that they used him used on him, and he's been a key catalyst to this team. Uh, you know, I, I understand the red zone questions that were coming earlier. I was one of the people who asked him the most. Uh, they found a way to use him in the red zone more now, so I, I think he's in a great position. Kyle Pitts, man, I, that's just a giant enigma for me. To be honest with you, I've been asking that question a lot uh, around the organization. Uh, and, you know, I, I am, I'm hesitating a little bit because I just don't entirely know. Uh, you know, this is going to be a big offseason for them in terms of a decision on Kyle Pitts in terms of the fifth year. And then you go from there and, and maybe you try and figure it out one way or the other. But Kyle Pitts has. I asked Justin Peeler, tight ends coach, about Kyle Pitts. And, you know, they openly admit, listen, it's not the same offense. He's not putting up the same numbers. But they feel he's a better football player now than he was as a rookie because of what they're asking him to do. Uh, now, can some of that be coach speak because they don't want to, you know, anger Kyle Pitts? Sure. Mm. But I think that they are, there are ways from – uh, a seeing the game standpoint, a mental standpoint, where I think Kyle Pitts has taken, made a lot of improvement. Statistically, it's just not really shown up, and uh, you know we'll see what. To me, he's in a similar boat to Dancer Ritter. Of these last five games are critical for him. Yeah. To to get a sense of his future with the franchise, not necessarily in 2024, but beyond 2024. And you can say that about Dancer Ritter as well, because I would be. Very surprised if Des, unless there was a trade scenario for some reason, where Desiree wasn't on this team next year, it just might not be as the starter. Kyle Pitts, I, I think everything could be on the uh, with him from picking up the fifth-year option to you know uh, to there being real question marks about his future because uh, of how he's played and what they've asked him to do and, and what the last five games could look like. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the most intriguing of all. I, I mean, I'm with you on Bajan. I think Bajan Robinson is certainly going to be a franchise back for a long time. You can question whether or not you spend a top 10 pick on a running back in this day and age, but he certainly fits the bill and looks the part. Ritter, I, I think we've... I think Ritter is what he is. Like, I, I don't think there's a great surprise at the end of the tunnel. Kyle Pitts, I have no idea. It's the ultimate enigma. Uh, and again, that's another guy that's a top 10 pick, so you want to get the most out of him and on a more positive note i guess there's there's obviously been some pleasant surprises on this team i mean they are as you pointed out they've, they've won six games they're certainly trying to get into the playoffs you're in it to win it some of the guys that have stood out to you that maybe you didn't think were going to be uh, going to be such an impact player but they have been this season yeah i mean it was it starts with nate Lambert. Like, anyone who doesn't start with Nate Lambert has not been paying attention to this season because Nate Lambert was an undrafted free agent last year out of Colorado. 
he was he vacillated between the active roster and the 53 man uh, and the practice squad all year last year. He did enough in camp, during the spring and in camp to make it where they were very happy moving on from. They were not very happy, but they were very willing to move on from Michael Walker in, in training camp, and that made they land the third linebacker. When Troy Anderson got hurt, you're like, oh man, that was a really thin position. I don't know how that's going to work. Well, all Nate Lambin's done is play really well to the point where he's hurt. We don't know if he's going to play this week or not. We'll know more today. Uh, Arthur Smith talks in about an hour, and then there's practice later today. And if he doesn't play, that's a big loss for them. I mean, I don't think anyone would have said that 13 weeks ago. You know, he's done where he, he has created it where when Troy Anderson comes back next year, they now have a good problem where they have three linebackers they can trust in Kaden, in inside linebackers, and Caden Ellis, Nate Lambert, and Troy Anderson. That's a good problem to have. Another guy that's really surprised me this year uh, in a positive way, I think Matthew Bergeron, for a rookie who went from tackle to guard, who hadn't really played guard before. Uh, he's holding his own. What that looks like in the future, don't know. Uh, and then, you know, I'll be honest, like, I mean, I know we talked about Bajon Robinson. I've been surprised with a lot of what he's done in a positive way also because they've used him in some ways more as a running back than I thought, but he's run so many routes, and that's something he was not doing a lot at Texas, and it's something he's told me that multiple times this year, but he's been getting more proficient at it, and that's been a real help. So those three guys, to me, really, uh, I'm trying to think of another guy defensively. Uh, as, I mean, I guess what Calais Campbell has been able to bring, you never know when a guy's 37, yeah. but how much he's going to have left. And he looks, like, he looks like somebody who, if they brought him back next year, I wouldn't scratch my head and be like, why? You know, I think he's done a lot for them defensively. He's been lost. He's played well. Uh, what he's made in that locker room has been huge. So those guys, to me, have been uh, pleasant surprises. And take, like, Honor Abiquete's starting to starting to become more of a pass rusher, so that's been helpful for them. Uh, and at least in a positive way, those are some guys, you know, in a negative way, there are some guys, you know, maybe you thought you'd get more out of Matt Collins uh, when you signed him. Maybe you thought that D'Angelo Malone would be able to push his way onto the field. That hasn't really happened. You kind of wonder if maybe it's a scheme fit issue there because remember he was drafted for a different defense, one that was run by Dean Pease and not Ryan Nielsen. Uh, so you see some of those situations, and you say, okay, well, maybe I thought I would have seen more from some of those guys. Uh, I think, you know, A.J. Terrell and Jeff Okuda have had up-and-down moments this year. Both played all right, but had up-and-down moments. So those are things I've seen as well. But uh, Richie Grant, same thing, kind of up-and-down moments. DeMarco Helms would be another pleasant surprise in that He's seven-round pick. That's a dark, that's an ultimate dark throw, man. And he's pushing his way on the field. He's pushing Richie Grant for playing time. That's something that seven-round picks rookie year you know you usually don't see. So if you're the Falcons, you have to feel good about that potentially. Where now you have three safeties, you can feel good about. And again, maybe that's part of why they moved on from Jalen Hawkins in midseason. No doubt, Michael should be an interesting game uh, this weekend. Again, the Falcons hosting. The Bucks, Atlanta, slight favorite. Uh, Michael, always appreciate your work on ESPN.com and appreciate you taking out the time. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, y'all. You got it. Take care. Michael Rothstein, WSPN.
Hobson.com. Joining us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line, he mentioned some injuries that segues so beautifully into the Northeast Georgia Health System Injury Report. It's now time for the Northeast Georgia Health System Injury Report, improving the health of the community in all we do. All right, so he mentioned a couple of the injuries on the defensive side. But the good news is everybody probable, Nate Landman, who's been one of the better surprises on that defense, which has been top 10 in total yardage for most of the year. I don't think you could have asked for much more out of the Atlanta defense. Jeff Okuda, also starting corner, probable on the defensive end. Caleb McGarry, the right tackle, is probable. On the uh, college side, the Georgia Bulldogs side, we're talking about this out in the hall about Lad McConkey. I know Finn was talking about his uh, draft projections on the morning show and, and where he ranks and whether or not he's going to leave. I, I'm with Finn. Like, I don't know what more Lad's going to do to increase his draft stock. Like, he's not going to get faster and he's not going to get bigger. But he's certainly uh, – there. what we've seen recently in the NFL, there is a role for Lad McConkey. He doesn't necessarily look the part, and I don't know if he's going to light up a combine, but somebody's going to take him and something tells me he's going to be in the league for like 10 years just making catches and doing what he does. But Lad McConkey in that ankle, you saw him re-injure it against Alabama. I mean, you had a bunch of guys basically playing banged up in that SEC championship game, and it's not an excuse. It just kind of is what it is. I don't think Brock Bowers is is as explosive as he was uh, before he had injuries, and Lad McConkey was a non-factor. And it was almost as if you wondered if it was even worth him, him being on the field because he clearly wasn't the same player. Whether or not he plays in the bowl game is a question, like so many of these guys. And then whether or not he's going to be effective uh, right now, we just we just don't know. And that is the, the biggest injury uh, facing Georgia going into that game against Florida State. That's our Northeast Georgia Health System injury report. And time now for a little Bulldog roundtable. The fan is proud to be the official sports talk station of the dogs. And it's time for Bulldog Roundtable with Buck Baloo. 25-20, get in there, touchdown! Bulldog Roundtable is proudly presented by Georgia's own credit union, Georgia Pack and Load, Finley Roofing, and by attorney Ken Nugent. And that's going to be the ball game. Georgia will win this ball game. Only on the fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. Mm. Let's get right into it, uh, and we've got some breaking news right at the top. I mean, this just in hot off the press is Brock Vandegrift, former five-star quarterback. Don't know the status of Carson Beck, whether or not he is coming back. I told you yesterday in uh, one report that I was reading, they had him 45th overall. Certainly seems like a guy that could be a, a, a high draft pick, but not a first-round draft pick in a year that's loaded with quarterbacks. But regardless, Vandegrift is gone, and where is he going? Drum roll, please. Thank you very much. Good work, DT. He's staying in the SEC, and he's going to the Bluegrass State, going to Kentucky. Kentucky and Mark Stoops, basically, this is the thing. You're going to see a lot of programs do this now. There are certain programs that do not recruit the way Georgia and Alabama do, and they don't get a bunch of five-star quarterbacks or even four-star quarterbacks coming to campus, and not a lot of them grow up in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. So what do you do if you're Mark Stoops? Every year, it's portal. Will Levis was a transfer from Penn State. Devin Leary was a a portal guy from NC State. And now you've got Vandegrift, a portal guy going to Kentucky. And I think you're going to see this with a lot of other programs that know they can't compete for the top-notch guys. And quite frankly, 
if you're a head coach, do you want to gamble on a 17-year-old, four- or five-star kid versus get an established guy where you know what you're getting? Now, obviously, Vandergriff is not very established, but he has been in the system. He has certainly been polished and groomed to be an SEC starting quarterback. So that's a great get for Kentucky. It's a great get for Kentucky for a program that, again, they're they're not going to be in the running for a whole lot of elite 11 type quarterbacks. They're just not. So you just you go active in the portal and you're going to see so much of this. And talking to the people that I've spoken to, coaches and alike, we are now at the point where and I don't know what Vandegrift has been promised, but I can tell you this, the average salary. And that's what we're we're talking about. College football is basically a pro sport. Now, the average salary is seven figures for an SEC quarterback. You got guys making over one and a half million dollars to play quarterback in the SEC. Not a bad gig if you can get it, not to mention everything else is paid for. Um, but that's what you have to ante up if you want to be in the conversation. If you if you go low and you're like, hey, I'll, how about 300? You're not getting a top-notch guy on the market. And if you look at the list of quarterbacks in the portal, it's insane. We're no longer at the point where you... It's the kid who's a backup and he can't see playing time. That, that That's more Vandegrift, right? I mean, he has no guarantee of getting the starting job anytime soon. And so this would this is what it used to look like. Now it's, if you look at the portal, established guys all over the place that if they stayed where they were, they were going to be the starter. They were going to get NIL money. They already are, uh, and the coaching staff is enamored with them. The fan base is enamored with them. doesn't matter. They just know they can make more money elsewhere, and that's that's what college football has become. It's good to know that that basketball school up there has enough money left over in their NIL accounts for football players. And here's another little note before you tell me that I'm wrong about that, which I'm not. Um, Georgia goes to Kentucky this year, so maybe they could face their former quarterback. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And let me tell you something as, as someone who has been in the bowels of commonwealth stadium now whatever it was papa john's and then that whole thing went sideways whatever they're calling it these days uh it actually wasn't papa john's that was was kroger field kroger field i think it's still kroger field Uh, these things change every couple of years but i've been through their weight room and their football facility and their practice facility this is the biggest misnomer uh kentucky only cares about basketball that's ridiculous they pump a bunch of money into football mark stoops is paid nine million dollars kind of butted heads uh over the, over the past few years room so i've been so no, i've heard no right? that's legit yeah no that's that's a hundred percent there there's a little bit of uh who's the alpha male in that role and mark stoops is pretty ornery he'll come out and tell you well last time i checked we won 10 games how far did you go in the tournament cal um there, there's a there's a little bit of that going on but kentucky fans love football I know that I married a Kentucky girl. I know her family. Like they have season tickets. They tailgate like SEC fan. You can love basketball and football, too. You know, we just had a Georgia-Georgia Tech basketball game last night, and I'll bet you more eyeballs are on that considering Georgia has already picked up a couple of big wins, like at Florida State and whatnot. Wake Forest. And yeah, I did that game, yes. Uh, I love them dogs. That's right, absolutely. Mike White, I'm telling you right now, is... That is what they've needed. I never understood the Mark Fox hire. Tom Crean turned out to be less than good. That that couldn't have ended more poorly. He inherited a mess last year. Nobody was ever going to win in year one in Athens. But what he is doing in year two, and he's got top 50 recruits yeah, on the way. Yeah, looking ahead to year three, I think it's even more Absolutely. promising right now. Uh, I've known Mike White for years, going back to his days at Florida. He is a good coach, a really good recruiter, and he fits into the culture there in Athens. I think Georgia finally has its coach. 
and Georgia basketball finally has fans at Stegman. There's, there's a student section that actually is like there and being loud, and there's an environment there that just hasn't been there in a long, long time. So they had yes, a little over 9,000 there last night, and the student section was there and loud and, and on their feet the whole time. Absolutely. And that's on what? On a Tuesday night? In Athens, Georgia, you don't have the advantage of like being in a, in a metropolitan city where fans can just wake up, drive 15 minutes, and be there. A lot of those fans, the older ones, have to actually make a haul to get to Athens. So I, I, the whole notion that, like, are we a football school or a basketball school? It's so silly. Uh, it, it, everybody in the SEC now is paying their coaches millions of dollars in basketball because you want to be good at both and there's no reason you can't be good at both you don't have to make a decision like i can only be good at one it's like you're at the buffet table and you can only have so many side dishes no the big time programs say the hell with that we're going to be good at both we got sec money we got sec resources there's no excuse for the basketball programs in the state of georgia to not be better it's an insane amount of talent just (laughs) you could just go to fulton county and get yourself some blue chip players. Facilities are there. Everything else is there. Oh, by the way, Georgia, 11 as all SEC uh, players, including Brock Bowers. Carson Beck was second team on that list. Not surprisingly, the top two teams in that category, Georgia and Alabama. It really is not a mystery. All right, we'll take a final timeout. We will wrap things up. We're going to have some strong words to wrap things up and finish us for this day. It just it just flies by, guys. I mean, it is it's one hour of just action packed sports talk radio, and I'm just so proud to be a part of it. And we're back with more on six eighty the fan. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the twenty twenty four Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all wheel drive and up to thirty two miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan Wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Of the Buckaloo Show here on a Wednesday morning. Mike Morgan filling in for Mr. Baloo. Be with you all week long. Our thanks again to Michael Rothstein of ESPN.com talking some Falcons football earlier. We'll be joined by Mark Bowman either tomorrow or Friday to talk some uh, Braves baseball. By the way, it warms my heart to see Craig Kimbrell get picked up by another squad. So my first year doing work with the Atlanta Braves was 2010. And Kimber, we we did, in addition to the radio stuff I did here on 680, Brian Jordan and I did a TV package for the Gwinnett Braves, which are no longer on TV, sad to say. And Craig Kimbrell was coming up then, and nobody could hit him. And then he got called up to the big club in 2010, and nobody could hit him. And here we are 13 years later. Dude is still going strong. That's I never would, With that body frame, I never would have guessed Craig Kimbrell would still be lighting up the radar gun at this 
stage of the game. It's been a long career for him, and I still remember when he was just a little baby face. That was the first time I realized that I was as old as these kids when I was uh, just starting out here, like you said, about 2010. And I was talking to Craig Kimball, and he was the first time I talked to a pro athlete, and I realized... This kid is younger than I am because yeah. he's a little baby. And, yeah, what a career it's been for him. It's been, been fantastic. I mean, he's smaller than Strider, who's no big kid in his own right. Um, I saw Spencer Strider up close when he was at Clemson before injuries and uh, COVID. It, you don't have to be six foot five to be an effective pitcher. I mean, those guys definitely break the mold. And I know he's not a brave anymore, but I still, I still pull for Craig Kimbrell when he's not facing the Braves he's always going to be kind of a brave to me it's nice to not see him in that Phillies uniform yeah well, like definitely that. that yeah yeah that was not a good fit and not a good look but I I still I, I root for Craig Kimbrough I, I, I'm just a fan of him and a fan of his work um we haven't talked a whole lot of Braves yet because you know again the winter meetings in Nashville there was a time where like some really hard major news would come out of these things that's really not the case that the Otani thing is going to resolve I I know there's been some, um, I want to say false hope, but there's been some hope injected out there that he could wind up in a Braves uniform. I just don't see it. It's like $50 million a year. That, it's so counter to the way the Braves do everything financially. They're wiser. They're more efficient. Uh, and it seems to have worked the last time I checked. If you want to do what the Dodgers and Mets have done, you can do it. But minus a COVID title by the Dodgers in 2020, has it worked out for them to just go for the shiny object and pay gobs and gobs of money for it, have a high, overly high payroll, and then not have the results at the end? I, I, I don't see Otani in a Braves uniform anytime soon. Uh, Jared Kelnick helps the left field situation. And like every other team in baseball, you want another starter. I, you know, that's the Braves are not unique in that regard. We, we could say that about every team every year. Hey, we could use another starting pitcher. Yeah, duh. So Freed, Strider, Morton, Elder, and then I don't know if it's going to be Ronaldo Lopez or if he's a placeholder for somebody else. I don't know if, if Alex Anthopoulos knows the final answer to that because it's a moving target. What looks like could be your number five guy today could certainly change three or four times between now and opening day, and then it could change three more times in the middle of the season. It's the nature of the beast. So uh, we shall see how, how that works out. But we'll talk a, a little more Braves tomorrow. We got one minute left. One minute left, and I've got so much more to say. This is just a travesty. Let me say what let me get one more thing off my chest, and then I we will get out of here and get ready for Cellini and Domino. Time for the final word. Brought to you by Howard Brothers, keeping Georgia green since 1955. All right, the final word. I, I promised I would not get back into this fray, but I'll say it one more time. On the whole college football playoff thing. By now, I think people have stopped yelling and screaming at one another and cooler heads have prevailed. If you're Georgia, what is, I get it, it's historical that a Power 5 undefeated team didn't get in. When are you ever going to see a team like Georgia that set an SEC record with 29 consecutive victories, was number one all year long, is a two-time defending national champion, and drops five places after a three-point a three loss at a neutral field to a juggernaut like Alabama. You're not going to see that again in your lifetime. Again, it's going to be a moot point when we have a 12-team playoff because everybody's going to be in at that point that has that kind of resume. But my goodness, and to say that Florida State's not a brand, this was a conspiracy, they just wanted the brands. 
Folks, Florida State's a brand. You're talking about it like they're Boise State. What, two natties in the last, like, 30-something yes. years? <laughs> yeah, Bobby Bowden. Florida Bush. State who? Well, I mean, Florida State's been a brand for, like, 30 years. What planet are you walking on if you don't think Florida State is a brand? They get ratings. They sell a lot of merch. Everybody knows the Seminoles. They've been featured in movies in direct and indirect ways, i.e. the program. They are a brand. Stop saying they're not a brand. Stop saying this was a brand conspiracy to get Alabama in and Florida State not in. Not the case. One of the many conspiracy theories I've heard over the last 72 hours that don't hold up at all. Again, I want to thank our guest, Michael Rostein of ESPN.com, joining us and everybody else behind the glass. Derek Thomas, the road dog, Adam Gillespie, who I saw on TV, his beautiful face last night, doing a great job engineering that Georgia win over Georgia Tech on the hardwood. We'll be back tomorrow, same place, same time. Cellini and Domino are coming up next. Keep it locked to 680 The Fan. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan Wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.